You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. I should also point out that today's guest is an alumni of Concordia University, oh, Wisconsin. Oh, yes, that's uh, we, true. We're continuing our series in leadership with the Reverend Dr. Jameson Hardy, Bishop of the English District, Lutheran Church, Missouri, Synod, author of Pastoral Leadership, Shepherding, and Caring for God's People from Concordia Publishing House. Welcome back, Bishop. Great to be with you. And we are digging into leadership. Last time we talked about the example of Jethro and Moses it talked a little bit about delegating and stewarding the resources of our time and, and, and talent as well. Today, we get to talk about difficulties and pain. Yes. That sounds delightful. <laughs> well, you know, don't forget what the biblical adage is, you know, Christ's love and mercy is made perfect in our struggles, weaknesses, and pains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where would you like to start? How would you like to dig into this topic of, of difficulties and pain? and struggle when it comes to leadership. Yeah, look, we can just start right at the, the heart of it. Leading Christians is simply put a tough job. And Christian leadership is one of those things that I think Satan is doubling down on his attack against anyone who is a, a biblical Christian leader. For me, over the course of my life, I've come to realize, and, and I'll get to a real quick story about this, but sheep bite. They run amok. They get diseases. They wander into trouble. They get attacked by wolves. They nip and fight at each other. And they are simply not the cute, cuddly animals that you see on the farm. When I was early on in my ministry, a young pastor, we had the Good Shepherd Sunday, and I happened to have a chiropractor who was married to a sheep farmer. And I got little Daniel, the sheep, probably about a five-week-old sheep, and I had him in a little dog kennel in my office, and I had an elder go get him during my children's sermon and bring him out in the whole nine yards. And, and, and one of the things that, that I learned from the sheep farmer was, like any young animal that is cute, cuddly, and wonderful, sheep, too, grow up to be royal pains. And, and, you know, for the pastoral leader, that is really an important point because leading Christians is going to be difficult and it ought not be thought of as a utopian experience at every turn and all the time. Now, I will tell you some of the most rewarding times in my pastoral life have been in leadership moments with God's people and some of the most difficult times in my life have been with the same people. And I think ultimately that's just the way that God has designed it. Everything in life has two sides to it, a great blessing and then a great difficult side that we we tend to ignore. Leaders in my life, leaders rise to the finest hours of their leadership during great difficulty and pain. They're thrust into having to use the gifts and talents that God has given to them at the very hour of the most difficult and painful things in the church. And I think here you'll see that is the defining and the demarcation line between good leaders and great leaders. Good leaders are consistent. Great leaders excel, especially at the moments of great difficulty 
and in great chaos. The biblical story of the good shepherd, he leaves the 99 behind to go after the one that is lost. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I have to believe that much like my life as a pastor, the one that I'm going after, leaving the 99, is one that's in great peril, one that is one that, one that is walking away from the rest of the flock rather than just wandering away, one that is experiencing their own set of pain and difficulty, frustration and hurt, requiring the shepherd to chase and go after the sheep. It's painful across the board, but it's necessary. And so one of the things about leadership that I always emphasize with people is, is leadership is going to have painful moments. Where do we see some of that in the biblical characters that we, we talked about biblical characters in the, in the first episode? What are some of those examples of the biblical characters in, in their leadership scenarios where they faced these types of difficulty and pain that they had to work through and grow through and follow God's plan for them? Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use one here that might seem weird, but I think it really gets the point across. And that's Mary in the garden post Jesus's death. Okay. She's, she's crying, not even knowing that she's at the feet of the risen savior. And if you, you know, you, you remember the story, right? Do not touch me. I have not gone before my father in, in heaven. Here we have a scenario where Mary, who was around Jesus I would say his whole ministry, who, who witnessed the power of him raising Lazarus from the dead, one of the greatest miracles of Christ, who saw Jesus feed three and 5,000, who, who made the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, and the mute talk, who at the entrance to the empty tomb was told by the angels, he is not here, he is arisen, just as he told you, and yet she still in the garden, wept about Jesus' death. Now, you might say, how does that have anything to do with leadership? Post that event from happening, Mary was a part of the entirety of the disciples. What did the disciples do? The Bible recounts the disciples locking themselves in the upper room, and the Bible says, out of fear of the Jews. All of these things combine where Mary witnesses the resurrected Jesus. And it had to be an epiphany where now the prophecy, or excuse me, the promise of Jesus is now fulfilled in front of her eyes. She's weeping. She's, you know, sorrowing over what is going on. And now God comes to her in her lowest point of sorrow. And Jesus stands before her. And he's there. And he, he comes to her as a witness, and now she becomes a great witness to both the resurrection and the fulfillment and promise of God. It's truly a beautiful example. In pain and in difficulty, Christ comes and uplifts one of his leaders in, 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 the, in the biblical text. What about from your, your own life? Do you have some examples of where pain has been a part of leadership and also a part of growing oh, stories I, that you can share. <laughs> <laughs> no, certainly. I, I'll give you one of the best ones 
that was, I could be in the first chapter of my own book in the sense of distrust of God. I was called Our Savior Lutheran in Pittsburgh or Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania, and I was also the vacancy pastor at Hope Lutheran in Upper St. Clair, about seven miles apart. I drove by Hope every day to go to my congregation at Our Savior. We entered into a merger process that at calling a vicar, it was an 18-month process. The leadership teams from both church met every month for 18 months. The week of the vote to merge. Now, now mind you, everything had already been done. I mean, I sat with people in their homes. I listened to people complain. I listened to people get angry. I listened to people saying this is long overdue. For about a week and a half before the vote happened, I did not sleep at night. I, I you know, would wake up and just think, what have I not done? I know that we've got to merge these two churches. I know it's the best thing for the kingdom of God. What have I not done? What, you know, and I just doubted. And we went to the merger and out of 96 total votes from two churches, there was only five no votes. And, you know, those were two separate families who just did not want it to happen. They wanted to keep, they were each one from each church. Long story short, fast forward, those two families came back to the church after six months. They lived in the church. They're, the one woman is financial secretary to this day. I just saw her uh, last week. My point is, I distrusted God, and it was it was painful for me because once the Lord delivered the merger, because I always believed it was his will and it should be done, I felt humiliated that I didn't trust that he was going to do it because I was putting too much emphasis on myself. And I could give you example after example where I've suffered in that way because I put way too much emphasis on my contribution to the situation. And I tell a lot of pastors this when they get into difficulty. It is not you. It is the good Lord. In fact, when painful leadership circumstances arise in our lives, one of the greatest principles we must remember is trust God is at work through that difficulty, through that pain. It's, it's easy to disconnect from that. It's, it's easy to discount that. But it is really God working through that situation. For me, I'll tell you what, what those situations have done over my life is they've built strength, right? It's kind of a building block. And I've had a lot of those moments where I've relied too heavily on myself and not enough on God. And he's delivered. And I've been amazed and repented of my, my lack of faith, trust in what God is doing. Even this very moment, as I speak to you, in preparation and run up and then the convention of this there's a lot of things that are going to be happening over this time. And, and I put way too much pressure on myself as if in some way I can do it. It is, is God's will. It is him who will accomplish it. I feel like that's a, a common theme in our lives, regardless of whether we're in leadership position or not, that God will use those challenges and difficulties and pain to to draw us closer to himself, to to cause us to pray more and to be uh, more in in his word and and receiving sacraments and that I feel like that's just that's magnified maybe when you're in a leadership position uh, when when people are looking to you for that guidance and advice or or watching what you're doing in in your deeds in your leadership that is that magnified when you're in a leadership position. I think so. I mean, I I really do. Remember this point. I mean, leadership as leadership is an influence relationship and it produces real change and real change means there's going to be pain 
And so, so when you're in a leadership position and, and you're an effective leader, a good leader, uh, it's a relationship that gets the job done, especially during difficulty. Uh, you know, the greatest form of love to the neighbor is you telling them that they're doing something that's ungodly. The Bible talks about this. If you do not correct your, your neighbor when they are living in a sinful situation, you are just as guilty of the sin that they are committing. And the great forms of love are those forms that would cause you to desire to help your, your, your neighbor, your friend, your loved one to turn from their sinful situation. But oftentimes the response is always, who are you to tell me uh, that I shouldn't do this or that I should do that? And, and for me, that painful side of leadership also means that it's the most important side of leadership because God is asking us to love the neighbor more than ourselves. We're talking about the struggles and difficulties of leadership in our leadership series with Bishop Jameson Hardy. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're continuing our conversation in leadership with Bishop Jameson Hardy of the English District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. He's also author of Pastoral Leadership, Shepherding and Caring for God's People from Concordia Publishing House. We're talking about pains and struggles of leadership today. You've given us examples from Scripture. You've given us examples from your own life as well. What do we need in the midst of that pain when we're experiencing that that pain or those difficulties in leadership, um, no matter what our, our leadership is, whether it's as a parent, as a pastor, or wherever we're given to be a leader, what do we need in the midst of that pain? Yeah, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, God always has a plan for our welfare, not our disaster. And so in the midst of that pain, difficulty uh, that God has a plan and his plan is to shape us, to shape us by the strength and character that Christ has given to us in his life and his leadership in his own ministry. Look, the truth of the matter is this leadership requires us to understand that when you're at the top or when I say the word top, I don't mean inferior, superior. I mean, kind of in the responsibility realm, it's lonely. It's lonely to be a leader. And the reason it's lonely to be a leader is in the leadership position that I have today as bishop and president of the English district, uh, the leadership position as the pastor of a congregation, uh, leader of a business. It's lonely because only those in that position can understand the stresses, the, the, the difficulties. Look, I can tell you, I was a vice president 
in the English district for six years before I was elected bishop. And I thought I understood this office completely. And when I was elected, I can tell you that there's a lot about this office that my predecessor, Dave Steckholz, not that he withheld from me, but that you only learn when you're sitting here. When you have to go to a church worker and remove them for behavior unbecoming, you don't share that burden, that, that difficulty, that, that pain that you have in having to tell a fellow church worker that they must now cease their service to the church and to God because they're no longer above reproach. And again, that, that's only learned, I believe, now having lived through it, by living through it. You can't necessarily just talk about it because it's not the same as when you're living through it. Talking about loneliness with leadership positions, what happens when we put leaders in on a pedestal, when we give, when we uh, put too much pressure on our leaders to do the things that we think they should do uh, without maybe consulting scripture or other people or thinking that we know best? What happens when, when we do that, when we, when we put too much pressure on these leaders, put them on, on pedestals that maybe uh, aren't the right place for them to be? Well, I mean, Sarah, that, that's really an important point because I think all church workers get put on a false pedestal. Whether you're a pastor, a DCE, a teacher in, in a school, they get put on a pedestal because they serve the church. They work for the church. And, and, and pastors especially get elevated to a, a level that I, I personally think is, is not good because for some men, it inflates their ego and causes them to think more highly of themselves than they ought. And I think that's one of those things the Bible says we ought not do. Um, but I'll, I'll give you one point here. Learning to manage your emotions, to take care of your own ability to control how you act and react, uh, is really important. And it's also required uh, to be disciplined, if you're going to be a leader, at controlling those emotions. Look, this is, I describe it for myself as I'm always wrestling with the beast inside me. I'm always shackling the beast inside of me. And, and this is one of the, the reasons I'm thankful that I'm a wrestler, because I know how to wrestle. And so I'm constantly wrestling with the beast that lives within me. And I'll say that from a biblical standpoint, the, the saint versus the sinner, right? The, the Luther daily, you're drowning the old Adam so that daily the new Adam within you can arise. As a leader currently and previously, I'm, I'm daily shackling that beast and I'm daily wrestling that demon that, that constantly assaults me. And I think every good Christian person is doing likewise. And so, I mean, th that is just the reality of being a leader. Uh, and I also think one other point that leaders tend to take, excuse me, church leaders tend to take a very short view of the circumstances, the things that they're going through today. Me, I try to take a very long view, a very wide view, a very large picture of the circumstance and the situation that I'm in right now. And I think that's really, really important. We've talked a little bit about our own inadequacies causing us to doubt. Um, to What do we do with that doubt, how do we know when we doubt them uh, that that we're even given to be a leader? What do we do with that? Well, let me answer that by going to a biblical story of Joseph. 
Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. Joseph, as you know, went through a lot of difficulties. Potiphar's wife accused him falsely of, 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 of kind of a sexual pass. Um, he was thrown in jail. He was given um, a, a gift of interpreting dreams. And the reality is that when Joseph carried out his leadership life later on, second only to Pharaoh, the famine, the seven fat years, the seven lean years, his brothers came to Egypt to get food. And this quote from Genesis 50, uh, verse 20, Joseph said to his brothers, you planned evil against me, but God planned it for good. And I have to tell you that as a leader, those words ring in my ear over and over and over again, because I think ultimately it is the life of a leader. It's the life of a leader. You know, people plan evil against us. God wants it for good. And, and he will make it happen for good. And in Joseph's case, it was phenomenally good for Joseph. He became the leader, uh, second in command to Pharaoh in Egypt. What does it look like for a congregation, for an organization, when leaders are willing to work through those difficulties, to acknowledge that there's difficulty and, and pain in leadership and demonstrate what that looks like to rely on God's grace and God's plan for what, what is happening. Yeah, look, I think for anybody, it's very hard to, to, to allow oneself to rely solely on God in the sense that when things are going bad, look, pastors specifically, I'll just for a moment speak about pastors. Pastors are criticized when the church is not growing. Pastors are criticized when money is tight. Pastors are criticized when bad things happen in the life of churches. The converse is not true. Pastors are not applauded when the church is growing. Pastors are not applauded when money is flush in the church and it's not an issue. Pastors are not lauded when there's a season in the life of the church where there's not much problems and just great joy. And by the way, I'm not, I don't think pastors should be applauded or lauded when things are going well, but I also think they shouldn't be blamed when things are going bad. And the life of any good leader is going to understand that there are seasons in leadership. In my 23 plus years as a pastor, I've had stretches of great success, growth, duplication of ministry, expanse of ministry, financial stability, and then I've had moments of lean, you know, difficulty, tightness in financial budgets, decrease in membership. And, and in both of those cases, I've tried really hard to think that it's not because of or in spite of me. It's just the seasons of a leader's life. Looking ahead to our next conversation in leadership, you want to give us a heads up what we, what we have to look forward to? Sure. I think uh, that the next uh, thing for me would be leading as a leader and not following. I mean, again, we can we can go into this later, but I think too many leaders 
would rather follow others than be leaders themselves. And why? Because being a leader oneself is going to solicit criticism. It's solicit anger sometimes. And it's much easier to just the vocal, confident person take over, even though they're wrong, because it's easier to just follow than it is to get out in front and lead. You know, if you've ever saw a sled team for the Iditarod up in Alaska, there is one dog who is out front. And that dog leads the team. And wherever that lead dog goes, the whole pack goes with it. And I think the dogs behind the lead dog are just pulling with all their might because the leading dog is doing the work of where they're going. And the other dog, and I got to tell you, I spent a year in South Dakota and there was an Iditarod racing team in Brookings where I was. And I got to hold one of the... um, the uh, huskies that he used and these dogs are powerful and they have a drive to pull all of them have a drive to lead only the special ones get to be out front because they realize that the decisions that that lead dog makes can be the difference between the sled team being successful or completely failing so how do you know if you're given to lead Now, that, that is a fantastic question. I, I think all of us at any given point in our lives are asked to lead any number of things. Um, I think too often we forget the Old Testament biblical story, whom shall I send and whom shall go forth? And the prophet said, here am I, send me, send me. For me, the encouragement is always to be open to the call and to be ready to go, to be sent by God without fear or trepidation. And so you might not even know that you're in a leadership position, but if you're always ready to go and to be sent and to be led, when that time comes, God will deliver the opportunity and you will give back what God has given to you first in the gifts and talents he has provided. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Jameson Hardy, Bishop of the English District and author of Pastoral Leadership, Shepherding and Caring for God's People. Looking forward to next time. Thanks so much for joining us today, Bishop Hardy. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.